Section 48 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Logistics and Contracting, Part 2 Interoperability between State and Federal Automated Systems FEMA FCO staff said there is no automatic or electronic interface between State systems such as E-Team and the FEMA system NEMIS. Both systems, if used correctly, have independent capabilities to track requests for assistance and determine their status. The two systems meet in the EOC, where the E-Team requests are converted into NEMIS. However, there is no way for the state EOC officials to use E-Team to track the status of their request in NEMIS nor any way for the federal FCO officials to use NEMIS to check information on the E-Team requests originating at the local level. According to FEMA officials involved in the response to Hurricane Katrina, the breakdown of a unified command structure at the state EOC level hampered FEMA's ability to meet state and local requests for commodities. Without a unified command, some state and local officials began submitting commodity requests outside FEMA's normal logistics channels. FEMA, in turn, started fulfilling such requests on an ad hoc basis before these requests were properly authorized or logged into its logistics system. When supply requests and subsequent supply distributions were not logged, FEMA could not accurately keep track of the resources it staged at regional facilities. As a result, supplies and equipment were delivered not according to specifications, delivered late, or not delivered at all, and priority needs were not met. In his testimony before the Select Committee, Brown acknowledged these logistical problems and the need for a better tracking system. He said, if you don't have a unified command, you kind of go into an ad hoc mode. So we hear that, for example, County X is requesting five truckloads of meals ready to eat. So we will then figure out that, okay, we have got four available, so we are just going to ship four into that county. Then another county may send in a legitimate request for five trailer loads, and you think they are still there because no one has yet entered in the trailers that have gone out. Management Lapse According to Holden, lack of knowledge and understanding by many agencies paralyzed the efforts to provide an orderly and efficient response, and required paperwork also hindered immediate action and deployment of people and materials to assist in rescue and recovery efforts. Prepositioned federal assets critical to the operations of hospitals were never received. Resources from the strategic national stockpile, despite requests, were never locally deployed due to bureaucratic red tape. According to Carwile, in any operation, particularly in a chaotic environment, there needs to be a balance between going outside the system and following a plan and procedure. 
Carwile suggested there needs to be a well-disciplined, systematic approach based on a solid plan that is sufficiently flexible for a variety of situations. Experienced personnel know where the pitfalls are and can make decisions where flexibility is required. Doctrine, policies, training, and exercises should be developed that meet the needs of a trained and ready workforce. Even Brown experienced bureaucratic frustrations. Rather than have FEMA's food provision efforts oriented almost exclusively toward securing MREs, Brown sought to devise an arrangement in which distributors or retailers would deliver meals or groceries, like those that would ordinarily be conveyed to typical commercial outlets, directly to shelters. Brown testified he came to believe we were too focused on meals ready to eat. The issue was food, not the MREs. So we came up with what we thought was this brilliant idea, that we would utilize Walmart or some grocery distribution system, because they are accustomed to going to these 7-Elevens and other convenience stores to replenish them all the time. Brown said FEMA started trying to do a contract to do that very thing, but ran into a bureaucratic wall so much that I finally had to scream at some people on the phone, just make it happen, I don't care, just do the contract and make it happen. According to Carwile, over the past four years, there has been no operational doctrine developed by FEMA. He said, as a consequence, there is no clear understanding of the responsibilities of each level, Washington, the regions, and the deployed emergency response teams, and how they are to interact. This lack of operational doctrine results in unacceptable levels of overlap, double and triple ordering of resources, and long video teleconferences and conference calls which can disrupt field operations. Carwile believes well-understood and defined operational methodologies based on doctrine would minimize the need for lengthy conferences and would achieve other efficiencies. Alabama officials said FEMA officials lacked management skills. Nobody with FEMA seemed to know what assets existed or how to marshal them, they said. FEMA does not have a robust lessons-learned-after-action program to assist in the refining and reorganizing of processes. Instead, FEMA seemed to move from one emergency to the next without incorporating any formal reviews. Alabama officials recommended FEMA adapt its training requirements to allow states to use monies targeted for state training exercises for after-action reviews of actual emergency-related operations. One official echoed the thoughts of many AEMA personnel when he said the state was better prepared for Katrina by virtue of its experiences with previous hurricanes within the last year, notably Dennis, July 2005, and Ivan, September 2004. Carwile suggested the logistics supply system was overly centralized and recommended allowing the state to contract with private entities to provide logistical support and commodities distribution services with the federal share of costs reimbursed by FEMA. Select committee members stated, and Brown agreed, FEMA should develop a formal planning and logistics process similar to that developed by the Department of Defense, DOD. 
Some officials have suggested the DOD simply assume a larger role in logistics, or even take control outright. Although recognizing the value of DOD assistance, Brown indicated DOD involvement would not be appropriate for smaller events. I think that the Army can help FEMA in that regard, Brown said. I would rather see it remain within FEMA, because logistics is something that you need in every disaster, the smallest one that FEMA might be involved in to the largest, and I don't want to see us utilize the military in all of those. However, according to Carwile, the factors contributing to the slow delivery of commodities should be examined and addressed for future disasters. Possible solutions include much better planning between state and federal emergency management logisticians and operations personnel, the assistance and advice of DOD strategic logistics planners, and much more robust private sector partnerships. For example, the U.S. Army LOGCAP or USAF AFCAP programs. It is also possible for states to enter into their own contractual agreements with the private sector for procurement and delivery of response commodities. The federal share is reimbursable by FEMA, and Florida routinely enters into such agreements. Representative Bill Schuster pointed out the private sector provides the best relief model and while government agencies such as the DOD are excellent with logistics, some of our private companies are even better, and our military learns from these companies because they know exactly what's in a truck, they know exactly where it's moving. For their part, private sector firms express the need for a get-it-done-and-ask-questions-later mentality. The director of Business Continuity Global Security for Walmart said, flexibility in our plans, flexibility in our structure, and flexibility of our associates is paramount to success. Southern companies' plans provide for flexible and decentralized authority to make decisions as close as possible to the disaster. They demonstrated creativity in helping restore fuel service to Chevron pumps, in helping expand their communication system to assist other companies, and in the way they used their family services plan to provide emergency services to employees. Starwood Hotels worked to engineer a way to pump water into their hotels, knowing the city's water system wouldn't be up and running for some time. They also contracted at the last minute for security to protect their hotels from looting. IBM provided services to governmental and non-governmental organizations as needed on the ground. These services ranged from temporary housing to websites and missing persons registries, including the CNN safe list which it hosted. FEMA's information technology systems are unable to support large-scale logistical challenges. The technology used to manage FEMA's logistics system may be partly to blame. FEMA's Logistics Information Management System 3, LIMS 3, is used to manage the agency's inventory of equipment and supplies. A recent DHS-OIG report found FEMA's computers were overwhelmed during the 2004 hurricane season, which hindered disaster recovery efforts, delayed emergency supply shipments, and put emergency response personnel at risk. The report found during August and September 2004 
when four hurricanes struck florida the it system could not track essential commodities such as ice water and tents according to the report LIMS-3 is not integrated with other FEMA IT systems, such as the database used to identify and deploy personnel to disaster sites, nor can it share information across federal, state, and local agencies. LIMS was designed, however, to track accountable property, such as barcoded cellular phones and pagers, not bulk commodities. Although LIMS-3 contains information on the quantity and location of emergency supplies, it does not indicate when they will be shipped or when they should arrive. In Florida, emergency personnel tracked items on spreadsheets and spent hours calling trucking companies to determine the status of goods in transit. Brown received this DHS report several weeks before Hurricane Katrina, but he and FEMA Chief Information Officer Barry West rejected the OIG's findings, calling the report's characterizations inaccurate. According to a FEMA spokesperson, FEMA's logistics support systems have presented us with some concerns over the past 18 months, and we are addressing this. During Katrina relief efforts, FEMA tested a system using global positioning technology, to track trucks transporting commodities. FEMA also is installing an intranet-based electronic document system to replace paper documents and improve data sharing among agency officials via an intranet. The DHS Emergency Preparedness and Response Directorate, which FEMA was part of, established an Enterprise Architecture Office in 2003 and hired a Chief Enterprise Architect in 2004 to develop a system to tie in the directorate system with the rest of DHS. Of the Katrina Federal Aid Package, $4.6 billion is designated for FEMA logistics, search and rescue, and emergency supplies. Private Sector Fills Void Several tractor trailers were strategically located throughout the region by various officials and organizations to collect local contributions, which were then sent to a warehouse for collection and distribution. When the first of fourteen packed trailer loads arrived, volunteers unloaded the first two and quickly realized much more assistance was needed to efficiently process the donations and prepare them for distribution. A clear plan for the organized collection, sorting, storing, and distributing of such a large volume of goods was not in place, however local officials turned to the private sector. Once we started seeing that we were going to have this enormous influx of material, we knew that there was no one better in the world for distribution and collection than Walmart Corporation, so we made some calls, and they immediately sent down some folks, and they showed us how to arrange a warehouse, and they made it spin like a top, according to the mayor of Fayetteville, Arkansas, Dan Cootie. Several companies had existing disaster plans which eased the challenges they faced. Southern Company has a separate plan for each category of hurricane, and each year they conduct a major disaster simulation. Before the storm hit, Southern Company had already pre-positioned trailers, caterers, laundry facilities, and 11,000 people for their response. 
Starwood developed a crisis management plan which structures preparedness and response at the corporate, division, and hotel level, and defines responsibilities for each level of employee. Walmart keeps an emergency operating center up and running 24 hours a day every day of the year. As one IBM executive noted, advanced planning of people, tools, and technology is vital and important. IBM had its crisis response team on the ground four days in advance of Katrina, which worked with FEMA, the states, and private entities, providing a list of the services they could provide. Ad Hoc Response in Fayetteville, Arkansas, individuals who had traveled there to stay with family or friends began to stop by the distribution center in search of financial aid, food, clothes, and other assistance, recalled Coody. Officials had not anticipated receiving evacuees at the distribution center and were not sure how to respond. They had heard stories of survivors being bounced from place to place or from town to town, so they took it upon themselves to find answers, information, and assistance for everyone who needed it. Officials and volunteers pulled boxes off pallets and made food and clothes available to these displaced individuals. They moved all relief agencies into the distribution center offices to make a one-stop location where evacuees could get various types of assistance and support, and set up a store where people could shop for what they needed free of charge. In addition, relief supplies were shipped from the Fayetteville distribution facility to the Salvation Army staging warehouse in Corsicana, Texas. It was eventually destined to aid the stricken areas of Louisiana and Mississippi. Many of these shipments were sponsored by local businesses and churches, and were arranged by making direct contact with community members in the affected areas. Fayetteville officials also learned many rural areas were not receiving adequate support, and were still in desperate need of various items that were in stock. This spurred officials to focus their large-scale distribution efforts on rural Louisiana. Coody testified that while Fayetteville had food, water, wheelchairs, baby supplies, and many other items on pallets and ready to go, communicating and coordinating the movement of supplies to these areas was a challenge. He said the distribution center had not received any communications from the state or federal level about the needs in these areas. Although Fayetteville officials wanted to send goods where they were needed, Arranging transportation also proved to be a problem. Nonetheless, Coody recounted some success in arranging deliveries, including that they asked J.B. Hunt and other trucking firms, can you please donate your time and some drivers to load up this trailer that we have ready to go and take it to a particular town in Louisiana, and they said sure. In another instance, Bogalusa, Mississippi, had requested water and baby food from Fayetteville. Coincidentally, a truck arrived from Kansas City, and the driver announced, I have got a load of baby food and water, and I am being told to get off the road because I am overloaded. The mayor said, as soon as we saw what we had, we gave him a map, and we said, this is where you need to go, and we sent the items on their way. As they pulled into Bogalusa and offloaded food, baby food, adult food, and everything else, people started opening packages and eating food directly off the truck, because they had not had any food in three days. 
Coody reported the realization that Fayetteville had the necessary supplies in stock previously, but had no knowledge or no real infrastructure to get it there, was disturbing, and it broke our hearts. Finding The failure at all levels to enter into advance contracts led to chaos and the potential for waste and fraud as acquisitions were made in haste. Concerns have been raised with respect to how FEMA awarded its contracts in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, and regarding the contract vehicles it had in place before landfall. In the weeks following Katrina, more than 80% of FEMA's $1.5 billion in contracts were awarded on a sole-source basis or pursuant to limited competition. Many of the contracts awarded were incomplete, and included open-ended or vague terms. In addition, numerous news reports have questioned the terms of disaster relief agreements made in such haste. Questions have also been raised about USACE's awarding of contracts with limited competition for debris removal and cleanup. In the face of the massive destruction caused by Katrina, acquisition personnel acted to meet pressing humanitarian needs, contracting firms in an effort to provide immediate relief to survivors and to protect life and property. Many of these firms were called into action on a sole source basis under acquisition provisions that allow the government to acquire urgently needed goods and services in emergency situations. These firms provided emergency housing and shelter for victims and emergency personnel to start debris cleanup and to secure property from further damage. The Shaw Group, Incorporated, Bechtel National, Incorporated, CH2M Hill, and Dewberry Technologies were engaged by FEMA to provide emergency housing and shelter for victims, to start the cleanup of hazardous waste, and begin restoration of the transportation infrastructure. Before Katrina struck, however, FEMA had only one contract in place relevant to the Katrina response for temporary housing. Immediately after the disaster, USACE competitively awarded contracts for debris removal to ACI Ashbrit Incorporated, Environmental Chemical Corp., Central Environmental Services, and Phillips and Jordan Incorporated, through an emergency competition which resulted in the submission of 22 proposals. FEMA executed few, if any, written contracts during what officials called the real nightmare emergency, August 29th through September 15th. The circumstances surrounding their contract awards made it difficult for FEMA to understand fully the contract specifics. FEMA simply instructed companies to begin work and submit vouchers for payment. FEMA used this method for the acquisition of food, ice, buses, and other supplies. This could raise issues of enforceability which will need to be resolved when written contracts are issued. FEMA's contracting practices were described by state and local officials as problematic. Louisiana officials cited lack of FEMA oversight and management in the awarding of contracts. Further, state officials suggested there were no performance-based standards under the contracts, and suggested under time and materials contracts, the longer the contractor takes to perform the necessary service, the more money the firm stands to make. 
Representative Jefferson also conveyed complaints from Louisiana officials about FEMA's failure to contract out the mortuary and body recovery effort. This was a particularly sensitive issue, because New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin was predicting thousands of casualties. State officials reported FEMA implemented a contract with Kenyan International in the immediate aftermath of the hurricane. According to officials, Kenyon was not given the support it needed from FEMA to meet its objectives, and ended up pulling out of the contract. Ultimately, Louisiana contracted with Kenyon directly. When asked whether FEMA had contracts in place for disaster-related supplies, including tarps, ice, generators, and temporary shelters, Brown equivocated, stating they had some contracts in place, for provision of MREs, water, ice, temporary housing, and some of the trailers. In other cases, however, FEMA had to start buying off the street to meet the demand. By the end of September, it was reported that 80% of the contracts, and half of the $3.2 billion spent, had been awarded without full and open competition. The agency awarded 60% of its contracts without full competition in October 2005, 68% in November 2005, and 50% in the first half of December. The Select Committee heard testimony from representative companies that contracted with FEMA and USACE to provide immediate response and recovery requirements to the federal government. Carnival Cruise Lines provided temporary housing. The Shaw Group provided, among other services, blue-roof emergency tarps to cover storm-damaged homes. Landstar System provided transportation support, including trucks for supplies and buses for evacuees. Ashbrit provided debris removal services. Inotech provided emergency packaged meals. Typical Contracting Issues the experiences of the Shaw Group are typical of the issues raised by contractors in the aftermath of Katrina. The company is a $3 billion-plus company, with 20,000 employees worldwide. According to company officials, Shaw performed $800 million in federal work last year, and contracts for Hurricane Katrina and Rita relief have been the firm's biggest undertaking. Shaw was originally awarded two separate $100 million contracts, the first by the USACE and the second by FEMA. Shaw is participating in competitive procurements for FEMA requirements, which originally were awarded on a sole-source basis. USACE contracts, including Blue Roof and Rapid Response contracts, were awarded on a non-competitive basis. Overall, most of Shaw's business comes from USACE, $300 million, followed by DOD, DOE, and the EPA. The Friday before the storm, the Shaw Group was asked by another firm to conduct damage assessments and inspections. They were also contacted by FEMA and the USACE to begin work. They established a command center in Baton Rouge, run by a retired general who served as the point of contact for all requests. FEMA placed a contract specialist within Shaw's operations to help with compliance and other issues. 
officials were unsure if other companies were offered fema assistance as well but said they offered to provide shaw personnel at fema according to company officials shaw's existing blue roof contract uses the highest number of workers from the impacted areas of any firm project last year shaw took louisiana contractors to florida which made preparations and response for this event easier their rapid response contract has expanded over the years and was activated by the usace shaw was not successful in a bid for a debris removal contract shaw officials raised several concerns which were typical of the issues raised by several contracting firms liability shaw officials expressed concern that the federal government might hold them liable for environmental issues arising from pumping contaminated water out of the city changing requirements fema tasked shaw with securing temporary housing which the company began doing before fema officials changed their minds although they did not lose money the company did lose time and goodwill contract signing and follow-through shaw officials had problems getting contracts signed by the appropriate agency officials although all the contracts have since been signed payments from fema remain slow because shaw's subcontractors are generally small businesses with a tight cash flow they cannot wait long for payment shaw also had to turn down certain projects because it had no indication from fema that it would be paid the stafford act requires that the federal government give preference if practicable to local businesses however this was largely not done and according to shaw officials some local companies have since gone out of business for example debris removal contracts were given to minnesota california and florida firms conflicts of interest shaw officials continue to struggle with the propriety of working for fema and for the parishes officials indicated complications could arise if fema hires them to assess a situation and then a parish hires them for rebuilding using fema money bonding shaw officials did not know what the bonding requirements were for katrina recovery work however they noted few small subcontractors are bonded to levels necessary to enable them to perform major contracts end of section forty eight